Good morning, Centerway Church. My name is Deidre, and I really miss being with you all so much. We want to welcome all the familiar faces and those who are joining us for the very first time. Also, welcome to those on the live platform and those of you who are watching or listening later. Here are some things to note for today. We have a message just for kids. They learn from the same text, but with kid-friendly content. We have other resources available for you as well, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotions and wallpapers with the application question to go with it. You can find everything I just mentioned on our website. We are in a special online cycle of circles via Zoom. During this cycle, we're keeping them open to adding people. If you find yourself craving face-to-face -face interaction and wanting to do life together, sign up on the Next Steps page of the website. If you or someone you know needs assistance, prayer, or if you have any ideas on how we can serve our community and each other, email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. If you're watching live, there are some things to know. Feel free to chat before or during the gathering. If that gets distracting, you can switch to the Bible or notes area. You can request live prayer, and there are tabs to share your info, give, take next steps, and find previous messages. If you're watching or listening later, you can do all those things through our website. Here's what to expect today. When I'm done, Joe will be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and Meredith will be sharing some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can head over to Instagram Live or Facebook Live as a way to respond through song. Here's Joe with the text for today. Hi, my name is Joe, and I'll be reading the scripture today. You can follow along with me in the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews, verses 7 through 16. And it reads, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Hello, good morning. Uh, my name's Claude. My wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors at Centerway and want to take a moment to just uh, welcome you and uh, we're so grateful that you have the opportunity to join us this morning. We're continuing in a series called Loud and Clear and this morning's message is entitled specifically Appetite. Loud and Clear, Appetite. And we're continuing in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 13, as you just heard, uh, verses 7 through 16. And uh, as we kind of unpack the message this morning, those verses, uh, I'm excited to talk about appetite, kind of, um, only because I think anytime the idea of appetite comes up, it can get a little bit embarrassing. So I'm going to kind of reveal a little bit about myself. And uh, the other day, uh, it was... We were coming off of Easter, and one of the things that my wife made is a, uh, a Mexican chocolate tres leches cake. And uh, it's a little bit spicy, it's chocolate, 
it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And so we were kind of rationing it a little bit. It was in a, a larger pan. And uh, <laughs> my wife came into the kitchen the other day and uh, I was sitting there and I was licking a fork and the pan was in front of me. <laughs> and she said, how many, how many pieces did you eat? And I was like, I, I just, I ate the last piece. And she's like, yeah, but weren't there multiple pieces in there? I was like, well, yeah, I mean, what's the problem? And so I'm just sitting there looking at it and I literally ate two ginormous pieces of cake out of the pan, the last two ones. Like, I don't know what happened. It wasn't a decision I made consciously. It was like, you just start eating and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, what have I done? There's oftentimes I can point to where my, my appetite has gotten the best of me. Uh, there are endless moments of my family members looking at me and saying, wait, did you eat that whole bag of Doritos? And I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I just, I don't know if I have a problem. I know you're sitting there like, oh, poor Claude, he's so disgusting, such a glutton, but you're probably slamming a bag of Doritos right now while you're watching this. Like, it's just the reality of the world we live in. We have appetites, we have the appetite that overcomes us at times, but it goes beyond food. The reality is we have appetites for content. Like there are moments where we just find ourselves getting lost on a news feed, where we just watch news report after news report on the television, where all of a sudden one television show ends and then it just runs into the next one. Hulu, Netflix, I mean, they've built their industry on the idea that you will binge watch, that you will literally lose control of your appetite to be entertained or whatever that might look like, and you just watch and watch and watch. In this season right now, it's accentuated in my opinion. The other night, I watched a playoff game rerun. I know the end of, but it was like I had to watch the end. Why? I have no idea. Like, it just gets the best of us. And so here's the question in the context of content that I want you to consider as we move through the message this morning. The question is this, why do we consume so much content? Why? Why do we consume so much content? If you spend any time investigating content consumption, you'll find all types of ideas on how you can create content that um, people want to consume. How is it that you can uh, bring out something that will allow people to almost be hooked into that world if you're trying to, to create some type of uh, content or blog or vlog or whatever that might look like. But the reasons why we consume that content really fall into two main categories, in my opinion. I want to submit to you the idea that people consume content because they either want answers or they want entertainment. These are like kind of the two large buckets that every form of consumption falls into, in my opinion. It's So if that's why, is because we just want answers to the questions we have, whether it's news or whatever that might look like, or we just want to check our brain at the door and kind of be mindlessly entertained. We want to laugh. We want to maybe have our heartstrings pulled, whatever that might look like. Maybe that answers the question as to why we consume content, but why so much? Why do we, con why do we consume so much content? Well, the answer starts to become obvious, in my opinion, if you follow the logic. We consume until we find the answer that we're looking for or until we're adequately entertained. As you can imagine, the consumption rate is astronomical, especially in this season that we find ourselves. You see, as I mentioned uh, earlier, consumption is directly connected to appetite. 
regardless of the reason, maybe you disagree, maybe you have a different bucket or a different reason why you consume, but regardless of the reason, the fact is we all as humans consume because we have an appetite. That's why we consume. We have an appetite that needs to be appeased. So the question I want you to kind of consider is what do you have an appetite for? What is it that you have an appetite for this morning? Because our appetite is only satisfied for a season. And then we just continue to consume. And sometimes it gets the best of us. Sometimes there's no cake for our children. (laughs) I swear, I just wanted to wash the pan. That's what it really came down to. I'm uber responsible. There was a pan that needed to be cleaned. I had to consume all the cake. You're welcome, Meredith. (laughs) In either case... If, the, if I were to restate the idea of appetite and the need for consumption, I want to restate the question this way. Instead of what do you have an appetite for, it could also be articulated, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? Because if your appetite is something that you're going after, what is it that you are pursuing this morning? There's obviously a major problem here. If you search long enough, if, if we really commit to, to kind of searching, we'll find an answer that we want to hear, right? I know I've been guilty of that, where you're kind of searching for the internet, through the internet for an answer, and you're like, well, that can't be right. <laughs> because that doesn't make sense to me, or it's not what I want to hear. So I'm going to keep searching until I find an answer that I want to hear, that kind of fortifies my argument, that explains better what it is that I want said. The, uh, the other reality is that we can search entertainment to the point where it becomes destructive, where it actually disengages us from the humans around us, where it distances us from maybe more uh, appropriate inter- forms of entertainment, So there's a lot of of issues that come in when we start talking about appetites. Listen, sometimes our appetites get us in trouble. It's just the reality. This morning, the author of Hebrews is addressing our appetites in what it is that we pursue. So verse 7 says this. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith and imitate their faith. There's there's kind of a dual message happening in this verse. And so the first kind of message is really to Christians. And so if you're a Christian, if you consider yourself a Christ follower as you're watching this or listening, I, w- I want to uh, let you know we all have leaders in our lives, those that speak the word of God into our lives as a Christian, as a Christ follower. And those people, their lives are worth looking at. What did they pursue? What do they pursue? Okay, so that's kind of the first part of this question as we consider a dual approach to this verse, this idea that we would identify the people that are spiritually speaking into our lives, that are spiritual giants in our lives or leaders in our lives. What is it that they're pursuing? What is it that we can do to to imitate their faith, to understand what they're in pursuit of? The dual message is really one of introspection. And this applies to all of us, all of humanity, whether you consider yourself a Christ follower or not. And this is, this is what the, the introspection is. Just as we have leaders or influencers in our lives, we, in fact, influence others. We impact our sphere of influence. Christian or not, we have an impact, a ripple effect in our sphere of influence. So the question I want you to, to ask yourself is, 
what are we revealing about what we consume to those we have influence over? What are we revealing? Are we living a life worthy of imitating? If it's being imitated, where are we leading them? Where are we leading the people that we're influencing? Where are we directing others as they follow maybe our example or our lives? As we consider this, the next verse kind of makes uh, perfect sense. Verse 8, it's a rather familiar verse if you've been exposed to Christendom at all. Verse 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus is the same. Constant. There, there's, a, there's a sense of peace that comes with that. If, if you have correct and healthy theology, if, if you have kind of poor theology or this idea that, that maybe uh, God is some curmudgeon waiting to you know, punish you, then the idea that he remains the same can invoke some form of fear in your heart and mind. But with some correct uh, realization of who God is, there's a peace, especially in a world that seems ever-changing. It seems like there's constantly something changing in this season as to when it is that we'll go back to normal and, and do you want normal? And is your new normal better than your former normal? Is right now a good place or a lonely place? Is it difficult? Everything's changing. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, yesterday was active in creation. He is God. And so he was present at creation. He's the same today, offering salvation and grace and mercy that we so desperately need. He's present right now in your time of need. He's the same. The same God that, that breathed into the world, into cosmos, and brought the world into existence is present in your life today and forever. He's reigning in heaven. He's not going to change. That which is constant is trustworthy. Think about that for a second. Whether you believe in God or not, the idea that God exists, the concept, the concept that God would remain constant means that he's trustworthy. If, in fact, God is real, he remains constant, which means he's trustworthy. doesn't change. So get this, because of the unchanging nature of Jesus, we should be able to identify false teachings. It's kind of weird, right? And seem like, wait, why did we go there? We're talking about false teachings. How, how is that connected? Bear with me a second. I grew up collecting baseball cards. Uh, my favorite baseball player growing up was Cal Ripken Jr. And uh, he played for the Baltimore Orioles. And I am still a Baltimore Orioles fan. Um, and for those of you that are Yankee fans, you're fine. Baltimore <laughs> Orioles, unfortunately, have never caused you any pain of recent in either case, if, if you're sitting there saying like, oh, I want to check out, I'm not into sports, I'm, I'm talking about something that's really not sports related. I'm talking about the fact that as I became a fan of Cal Ripken Jr., um, I, I started to collect some of his cards and I started to collect some of his autographs. And so the way he signed his name looks very unique from when he first came into the league in the early 80s and 83 specifically. Um, he was in 82, he was a rookie. I'm not going to go into all the explanation, but in either case, when he was signing his name, whether it was in minor leagues or in the pros in the early years, he had a signature that looked a specific way. Later on in his career, probably because the number of autographs that he was signing, his autograph actually changed. So even though the autograph looks entirely different, I can tell 
that is an autograph from Cal Ripken Jr. It's just an early autograph. Or that's a later autograph. Or that's a fake. It's a fake. That's not Cal Ripken's autograph. Now, here's the deal. Do I claim to be a professional person that can like weigh through and understand autographs? No, I, I don't on any stretch of the imagination. But I've held cards and pictures that Cal Ripken has signed. And I've looked at his autograph and I've investigated it and I'm familiar with it. And because I know his signature, even though his signature has changed over the years, I know the nuances, I know the changes. And so I can see and identify a fake. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no nuances. There's, there's no changes to his identity. So the question I ask is, do you know his voice? Are you close enough to Jesus to know, oh, that's, that's a God thing. Or, oh, that's my flesh getting the best of me. Or, oh, that's a lie. That's a lie that my parents spoke over me. It's not the truth. It's not what, what God thinks about me. This is something hurtful that someone that was hurt spoke over my life, but it's not truth. It's a lie. Can you distinguish between truth and lie? Do you know the voice of God? Do you know his nature? Do you know his character? Can you see a fake? Can you see a fake? You see, that's how it's connected this morning to this text. Or are you not so sure? Have you not spent enough time with Jesus to be able to distinguish between the real deal and a fake? Has your appetite for things caused you to settle for a lesser version of your one and only life? Have you gotten to a place where maybe you've believed the lies, where you've drawn conclusions based on the content that you've consumed as to who it is that God may or may not be? Listen to this. Verse 9 connects the dots for us. It says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. Diverse and strange teachings. You see, you see, our voracious appetites, they'll lead us not only astray, but they'll actually lead us to pursue heresy. They'll, pers- they'll, they'll cause us to pursue and to worship little G gods in our lives. Idols, things we worship, things we turn to for comfort, things we want to hear, answers we want to hear. So we pursue them. We pursue heresy. Listen, we'll be tricked by a good imitation. If we're not in proximity to Jesus, we will be tricked by a good imitation. That's what the text is talking about. We'll settle for a forgery, the handwriting of God on our lives. Think about that. A ripped off version. Now, something confusing maybe at face value happens as we read on into verse 10 and 11, but we'll unpack it together. Verse 10, it seems like there's a shift, but there's not. The author goes on and says, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. 
You're like, what? Like I said, it seems out of place or off topic unless we're considering the context of Hebrews and we're considering the original audience and the fact that it should be read through the lens of the Old Testament, which the, the author of Hebrews has already established in earlier chapters. You see, this, alt, this altar that's being spoken of is referring to an altar of atonement. Now, uh, the high priest once a year would make sacrifice on the day of atonement for the nation of Israel. It happened one time a year and, and after the blood was shed, the sacrifices were placed outside of the city walls. And so on a typical sacrifice that was, that was made uh, within the temple, the, the priest would have the right to then cook portions of the meat and eat it or consume it. And there was all rules and, and kind of restrictions, if you will, as to how that could happen. But on the day of atonement, when the blood had been shed, the animals were actually brought outside the city walls and they were burned there as a sacrifice for the sins of Israel. And so the original readers would understand that, would know that this is an altar from which those who serve the tent, the high priest, have no right to eat. So it's a unique time of year. They're talking about this. The author's talking about this specifically, and they would know what the author is saying. And that's this. Jesus is the mediator of a new and better covenant. Jesus enacted new and better promises. Don't settle for what it is that you know, what you think you know, the answers that you've come to conclude. Instead, pursue after the person and work of Jesus. Even religiosity and religion can lead you down the wrong path. That's what the author is saying because these are Jewish people that could be captured into a way of thought that was comfortable, that was known, that was tried. It goes on and says in verse 12, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. And so the the author is directly connecting the reality that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate atoning work. Jesus paid the price for our sins. His blood was shed for you and for me, for our sins. He lived the life we could never live and he died the death that we deserve. And that's what the author's talking about, but it it doesn't end there. It goes on in verse 13, and this is powerful. It says, therefore, therefore, we know if you've journeyed with us for any amount of time, that therefore is a reference to what has been established in in the section prior. And so based on the fact that Jesus died on the cross outside the walls for us, therefore, because of that reason, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. This is actually a rather profound and powerful statement. You see, the city outside the camp, the camp, the city, represents a place of comfort, a place of stability, a place that's known, and outside the camp is dangerous and difficult. God is speaking loud and clear in this text. Loud and clear, don't find your identity pursuing what's inside the gates. Don't find your identity pursuing what's inside the camp, what is known in this world. We must be willing to go outside the camp, outside the city, even if it means we suffer. Even if it means we suffer. You don't like that. I don't like that. That sounds terrible. In fact, 
If you're a person just trying to consume content and you've stumbled across this message, this is the point where you say, I'm gonna go look for a different answer. <laughs> I'm gonna go consume different content. This is not a fun message. I don't wanna hear about suffering. I'm suffering right now and I don't wanna hear that, that this suffering in any way makes sense or that can be redeemed. But listen, the gospel is not about avoiding suffering. It's not about getting more stuff. It's not about running through fields and flowers floating around and being like, my life was great, but now I'm an oblivious moron that cares nothing about the worries of this world. If that's what, what you're trying to sell as Christianity, I want to tell you, that's heresy. That's heresy. It may appease your appetite for a time to think that the gospel is about no more suffering, no more pain, more stuff, all the things that your appetite desires. And for a time, your appetite will be settled. But this morning, I want to challenge you. As your appetite is appeased for a moment, as it begins to grow again, what is it that you're pursuing? What is it that you're pursuing? Because if you're pursuing a life without suffering, if you're pursuing more stuff, if you're pursuing everything that everybody around you is pursuing, that's not a pursuit of the gospel. That's not a pursuit of what it is that God offers. You see, God says he'll never leave you or forsake you. He says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It means that in our broken world, when there's pain and there's suffering, God will walk with you through the pain, through the suffering. The promises of God are attached to the fact that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he remains the same, that he is giving you grace and mercy, and that he's giving you unspeakable peace and joy counterintuitive peace in the midst of pain. That's what he offers. We want to be pulled out of the pain so often. We want to hear people say like, listen, God doesn't want you to hurt. God wants you to have more stuff. God, God wants to give and bless and all that stuff. Like, okay. Well, we live in a, a sin-filled world where people do really bad things. And so how does that line up with our theology? Was God sleeping when that bad thing happened? Did it catch him by surprise? Is he an absent God? No, he's an ever-present God. He sees the pain and the hurt that sin causes and he says, I'm going to stand right beside you and in the midst of the pain and the suffering, I'm going to redeem this. I'm going to do a work that you can't imagine. I'm going to provide peace in the midst of this season and what the world has meant for destruction, I'm going to redeem and I'm going to do a work that you can't imagine. I'm going to walk beside you through this because I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's an incredible, powerful, powerful message if you let it settle into your heart and realize that in the midst of the suffering, God can still extend grace and mercy. Verse 14 says this, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Verse 14 is, is great because what it does is it just provides perspective. Right there, it says, just so you know, what you see around here, it's all going away. We're trying to live for a city that's not here, that's going to last forever. Not the temporal, but the eternal, as we talked about before in another week. Perspective. You won't find what you're looking for pursuing the things of this earth. 
you will continue to consume. Your appetite will continue to grow. You'll continue to look for answers. You'll continue to try to disengage and try to find some form of entertainment because the pain or the hurt will be too much. God will be trying to speak truth to you and instead you'll be looking for what it is you want to hear. And that's what the text is saying. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. This plane, this world offers nothing for us. Our hope is in Jesus and in him alone. So I ask Are you pursuing him? Are you in pursuit of Jesus to satisfy your appetite? Or are you turning to lesser things? Like your cupboard, like the internet, like your TV. These aren't wicked things. They're good things that become wicked when we make them ultimate things, become idols that we worship. We turn to them in our moments and our hours of need instead of turning to Jesus. The author's trying to recalibrate our hearts and minds this morning. Verse 15 through 16 says this, through him then, through Jesus, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Not, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good, to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We no longer have to sacrifice animals. God's wrath towards sin is satisfied in the atonement of Jesus, in the person and work of Jesus. No, instead, he wants a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. Listen, what you're striving to do, potentially, in trying to please God or to behave or whatever maybe lie you've fallen into this morning, it's done. It's done. Jesus has paid that price. And this morning, what's required of you is a sacrifice of praise. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. It's done. It's done. You simply have to to say, okay, Lord, I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. I want to pursue you with all that I have. I want you to satisfy the longings of my heart that in the brokenness and in the devastation, in the boredom, God, would you come and and comfort me? Would you speak truth over the lies that I've heard in my life? The answers you're looking for, (laughs) the answers we're looking for are found in Jesus. Every single one of them. So what should our response be? A sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. That sounds kind of awkward, maybe in our modern language. Like, wow, a sacrifice of praise. It really, look at it from two perspectives this morning. One is a sacrifice of praise means that in the midst of the pain and difficulty, we're going to lay aside 
what it is that we want, what it is that we desire, how it is we want this to play out. We lay aside the fact that we want to be the God of our own lives. And instead, we praise him in the midst of this brokenness. So in the midst with, with tears running down our face, we say, God, we know you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we're going to worship you. I'm going to worship you in spirit and in mind right now. And in truth, I'm going to, I'm going to speak praises over you. Sometimes that is a sacrifice praise, but it connects this idea of giving and doing good. The the text actually connects a sacrifice of praise even beyond that and says, do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So really a sacrifice of praise, not only for our own personal heart alignment, but also for the generosity to, to lean into generosity towards others. We have a because and therefore which you can find on our website under the, the us tab. If you go there, you can see the list of our because and therefore. One in particular is generosity. I want to read it to you this morning. It goes like this. It's connected to this morning's text. Because God gave us everything, because he gave us everything, we value generosity. Therefore, we're open-handed and happily go above and beyond with our time, our talent, and our treasure. We steward our spiritual gifts and serve. We are contributors and not consumers. Generosity. A sacrifice of praise is to say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give. I'm going to live generously as a redeemed person. Because you gave me everything, because you gave me everything, then I will give. Not because it's expected of me, not begrudgingly, not because someone told me, not because I'm a philanthropist and it makes me feel good. No, no, no. Because of what you have done, Jesus, because you died the death that I deserve, because you were outside the camp, because you allowed the atonement for our sins, because of that, because you gave your very life, I will give. Because everything around me, I'm simply a steward of. It's all yours. It's all his. If it's all his, then the idea of gaining and gathering is counterintuitive. It makes no sense. Why would you try to gather to yourself stuff that it's all God's? Instead, let's open up our hands and live generously. As children of God, offering a sacrifice of praise because we know his voice. We know who he is. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this morning, if you're like, I don't know Jesus, you can find him in the text. You can find Jesus in the word of God because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We say here at Centerway that the text requires something from us and this week is no different. I want to challenge you as we kind of wrap things up. I want to challenge you with this question. Question is this, in what ways will I be generous this week? In what ways will I be generous this week? It's going to be a tough one for the season that we're in, honestly, because we're told stay away from people or, well, help people, but help them with a mask on and six feet away. But the mask doesn't always work and six feet might not be far enough. Wear gloves, except they don't matter either. You know, you're like, what in the world? What? It's ever changing, right? So I want to challenge you. In what ways will I be generous this week? Maybe for you this morning, generosity looks like giving of your life. Say, God, I'm going to give you my life for the first time ever. I've I've maybe been in a church, maybe even kind of played a game 
of what it looks like to be a Christ follower. But this morning, in the privacy of my own home or wherever you might be watching or listening, I want to give my life. So as simple as Romans 10, 9 through 10 clarifies it, you could just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Lord, I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. Will you forgive me of my sins? Come and forgive me and be the Lord and leader of my life. Can be that easy. If you made that decision this morning, I'd love to, to talk with you more about what your next steps could be. And you can go to the next steps section of our website. And the, if you're watching uh, live, you can see that tab at the top as well. You can see some options on how you can get more involved. We'd love for, to know if that's a decision you've made so we can walk alongside you. For others of you that have maybe crossed that line of salvation, Maybe for you, what does it look like to live generously? I, I don't know. Maybe it looks like serving someone by making masks. Maybe it means um, providing someone resources that can't go to the store because they're sick or um, because they're elderly or because they're fearful. Uh, maybe you can even provide them some of your resources out of your abundance. Maybe it looks like in this season, challenging yourself to say, I'm going I'm to take a risk in the midst of, of fiscal uncertainty to just invest in the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to take a step and, and give for the glory of God. I don't know. I don't pretend to be the Holy Spirit or what it is that he may be speaking to you or convicting you of this morning. But I know that the text requires something for every one of us. So what does it look like for you to be generous this week? Maybe it looks like missional generosity, going above and beyond. Maybe you do all of those things, but God's asking you to do something outside the box, something bigger than you even want to articulate to a spouse or to a friend or to your parents. I want to challenge you to provide margin in your life this week to say, God, what does it look like for me to take a God risk, a God risk where I can just be generous. I can open my hands and, and live open-handed for your glory and my joy. Like I mentioned, I don't know what it looks like, but I know that God is faithful to be speaking to our hearts. And so I want to close this in prayer. And uh, following our prayer, uh, you'll be able to hear a little bit more about worship response. And so let's just go ahead and bow our, our heads this morning and we'll pray together as we close. Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that, that you would reveal to us even now the areas of, of our life where maybe our appetite is, is out of control. Or maybe we um, are leaning into the created rather than the creator. And Lord, as we identify those areas of our lives, that we would get to a place of acknowledging who you are and what it is that you've done and open our hands and our hearts to say, God, we want to live generously. We want, instead of living selfishly, instead of trying to appease and, and fulfill our appetite, instead, God, we're going to open our hands, we're going to open our hearts, and we're going to say, how can we live on mission for your glory? And so we simply declare ourselves available. Pray that you would be with us throughout this week, that you would um, protect us, protect our loved ones, that we would be able to, to be people of strength and hope to those that desperately need it. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey everybody, I'm Meredith and I'm here to share some ways that you can respond in worship now and throughout the week. Obviously you've heard Claude uh, share some of those ways already, giving of your time and finances, etc. We want to encourage you to sing and I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, pray and we also want to encourage you to take some time with that application question this week. When you do that, consider what does it look like to be a contributor and not just a consumer? 
And so for example, if you're a student out there, can you contribute some time to your younger siblings? Can you contribute some patience in your home with all of us parents that are just trying to figure out this homeschool thing, have mercy on us. Um, or maybe you're someone out there that can be generous with your pain. And what does that look like? Well, maybe it looks like sharing your story with someone that you know will be encouraged by the things that you've come through. Um, ultimately, ask the Holy Spirit for creative ways. The, the list is endless, but He will give you those creative ways to be generous with those around you. As you do that this week, we have selected songs that can kind of serve as a backdrop to your prayer time and, and time with the application questions. Songs about being satisfied in Jesus, about bringing a sacrifice of praise, about being generous to those around you. Um, if you want to listen to those songs throughout the week, or if you're here and you're watching or listening to this message later, you can find those songs on our Spotify playlist. Just search Centerway Church and look for our loud and clear Spotify playlist. But if you are watching live right now on the live platform, we are gonna to get to sing those songs together as a way to respond in worship. So in just a moment, head over to Instagram Live, Facebook Live, and we'll be singing those songs together. We'll give you a little bit of time to, to log on over there. See you over there in a minute. 